0: Hello, Marlins fans, and welcome to a brand new episode of Swings and Mishes. I am your co-host and producer, Jeremy Taché, joined as always by Craig Mish. Craig, one of the most exciting weeks on the field of Marlins baseball in a while. How are you doing on this Friday morning?
1: I'm doing well. It is, it is great to be with you. This is our final episode before the 2021 All-Star break, so... Mm. We have a lot to get to here as we get ready for the Home Run Derby and the All-Star Game, and certainly I'm very excited for that. Excited for a weekend ahead,
0: and let's get into it. Yeah, it should. Man, this first half has been something for the Miami Marlins, and this last week was sort of an example of all of it. They played in six straight games that were decided at the very end. It was the one nothing loss after Pablo's ejection after the Acuna hit by pitch on Friday a 3-2 win on Saturday with Sandy Alcantara on the mound, an 8-7 loss after blowing a four-run lead on Sunday, a 5-4 win with an eighth-inning home run from Jorge Alfaro, a 2-1 win in extras, a 9-6 win on a walk-off homer from Jesus Aguilar, and then, of course, the 6-1 loss on Thursday. But, Craig, what were your thoughts on this eventful week of Marlins baseball and the way the Marlins competed with both the Braves and the Dodgers? I think if you go back
1: and and you listen to our podcast earlier in the season, there, there are two things that have happened in, in 2021 with the Marlins. I think that the process in, in sort of predicting how this season was going to go was correct. Hmm. And I think the outcome has not been. And so I think that you have to judge what you thought about the team going in on those two different levels, the process. Okay, what did we think going into the season? we thought the pitching would be really good. So there would be a lot of close games. Yeah. And that's, and that's exactly what has played out. So that is accurate. But before the season, I also thought the team would have a lot more wins at the end of the season that they're on pace to right now. So the result is not, and that's kind of where everyone has been playing in this run differential and looking at those sort of things with some bad luck involved and injuries and all of those things happen. But this doesn't surprise me because they played exactly this way, Jeremy, against the Pirates too. Mm-hmm. This is exactly how they played with them. When they, It does not matter who they play. <laughs> right? The game is going to be close in all likelihood. It's going to be a one or two run game. They'll be winning or they'll be losing. In some games, they're going to close it out and win. And in some games, they're not going to and lose. Yep. And so if you basically just take those three games that they could have won against the Pirates... And then you swap out these (laughs) three games that they could have lost very easily against the Dodgers. You pretty much have who they are. So that's kind of the way that I see it. I know the team doesn't see it that way. And you cannot ask players or coaches these sort of questions because they give you the generic, no, 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 we're going to take it day by day and game by game and execute and all those generic statements. (laughs) But I look at the season as a whole. And, and I look at every series and every game and I go back and I say, Yeah, they could have won those games against Pittsburgh, but they could have lost the games against L.A., let's be honest, at least two of those three. I mean, they Mm -hmm. could have. So I have a bigger view on things maybe than most. And I'm guessing there are people in the organization that look at it the same way. But uh, in essence, you, you want exciting games and you want people to still be engaged. By the way, on television, that's important mm-hmm. in the seventh, eighth and ninth inning. And that's exactly what they're accomplishing. But the problem is, is that the losses get exacerbated when the games are so close and they lose because you feel like, Jeremy, you've committed so much time, right. television, three hours, four hours, going to a game, spending $200. They, they can't score. They're down a run. Um, but I went Monday night and I took my family. I did not go a, as media this week. Mm. Uh, I'm going Friday today. But I, I, uh, I, I enjoyed it very thoroughly. I thought and even with the rain and it was pouring and it was insane. Um, my son had my son is a uh, huge baseball fan. It was his birthday last week and we thought we'd be on vacation this week. But the right the weather sort of canceled that. But my son says to me, listen, um, and, and I take him to a lot of games. But he, but, you know, the reason why he wanted to go and, you know, he obviously recognized the Dodgers won the World Series and all sure. that. But, and, and, you know, he's a Marlins fan which makes this whole thing very difficult for me, <laughs> but, but, but he says, he says, I want to see Pujols. So we mm. wait and, you know, we see the lineup come out. Okay. Boom. Pujols is playing. So he's there. He's taking my phone. He's videoing it. He's saving so it on cool. his, on, on his iPad because he recognizes that that's probably the last time he's going to be able to see him in person. And, oh, and, um, so and he's been, he's on the West coast. He's been in the angels. I was like, I was explaining to him, you know, I, I've, I mean, Pujols came on my uh, TV show, Mikasuki sports. Rap. Yeah. I mean, Yeah, I've I've known Pujols for a long time and and I'm explaining to him who he is and what he's accomplished and everything like that. And he's like, all right, let's go. So long story short, uh, went on Monday, watched the other two games on television or three games on television yesterday, had to work during the show. But Mm -hmm. overall, a uh, winning three out of four against a really good team. It doesn't matter who's in it. look monday we all we all know everybody sat for eight innings or whatever it was like hmm. we get that but th- but this is just part of baseball the dodgers had won a ton of games in a row before they came to miami they chose to sit everybody on that monday right. and, the Mar- and the marlins ended up winning so be it um and that, that's kind of where i'm at it, it's it, it's been an interesting uh first half of the season and, and this past week, without a doubt, going, in, going into Thursday, the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday was the best 72-hour stretch of the season, for sure.
0: Absolutely the best 72-hour stretch. And particularly because they were able to bounce back after that deflating loss on Sunday. I mean, we all, you and I both on Twitter and everywhere else, oh, everybody yeah. basically yeah. said season over right there. And and for them to bounce back the way that they did in those three games was pretty special. And, and like you mentioned, I mean, To be able to have those moments at the ballpark, when you have those close games, that's what makes teams all that more exciting. The problem is, like you said, those close games are exacerbated when you lose. The Marlins, we've all talked about the run differential, best in the NL East, blah, blah, blah. They're nine and 19, 10 games under in one run games. They're 10 games under 500 this season overall. Yeah, That's where, I mean, that's their season. It's they've played all these close games and thus far, They hadn't been able to necessarily come up with the big hit or the big moment now a few one run wins in a row, maybe that can lead them into the second half where they can start, you know, with Anthony Bender as the closer, albeit, you know, he blew the save the other night and struck out three guys. Um, You know, maybe there's a chance they can start sort of changing luck there and that's how you know you end up winning games but. Let's talk about the guy at the helm of this team this season. It's Don Mattingly, who's back for his sixth season as Marlins manager after being NL manager of the year last year. And yesterday on the broadcast, Kim Eng, uh mentioned that the Marlins have exercised their side of the mutual team option. Don Mattingly has picked up his side of the mutual team option, and Mattingly will be back next season. Craig, your thoughts on Don Mattingly as the Marlins 2022 manager?
1: everybody knows that I'm a fan of the person and everybody knows that. And I've mentioned this many times that, that when I grew up and, and I'm a kid from the eighties that, I mean, to think that I get to speak to Don Mattingly, either in person or on zoom every day is insane. Mm -hmm. I saw Donnie at the game. I don't know if it was last week or the week before. And it was, I don't think it was the first time I had seen him like that close, but it was. And, and he, and he saw me come up and he said, that uh i was not allowed on the field without a shield (laughs) he said i had to go put a shield on like i mean he was kidding but it was funny like he's like you have to wear a shield that's hilarious yeah yeah so you know this is this is a tough one because obviously i am seeing a lot of the same things that you guys are seeing where i i don't think that this has been the perfect season for him by any Mm. stretch i think that there definitely has been a lot of uh, especially late inning questionable pinch hit moves, uh, you know, that day in St. Louis where no one played at all and they got shut down behind Sandy. I, I don't I do not agree with that day either. I thought that some players should have played that day. Um, so so I can I can kind of go through it and find fault and I can also find success. Mm. But I, I think to Donnie's credit, this is more. Of, of something personal for him than, I, I think, anything else. It, it's interesting because he has come to the point in his career where he does not want people like me asking him about his job year after year in August and September. Right. And unbeknownst to me, the last time that he redid his deal He basically said, I don't want to do this in August and September, not knowing if I'm going to be here for the future, which is really interesting. So therefore, Mm -hmm. he had the organization put in that basically option clause to determine whether or not he was going to stay based on the 15th of July, which essentially would have been the second half of the season. Very smart move right before everything opens back up. Mattingly wants to know if he is going to be around. I will be interested to find out very shortly if he has that again for next year. Mm. So let's circle that. uh, And I'll get back to you on that one. I don't know that as of yet, I will find out that answer. Uh, So that's the long answer. The short answer is, is I think it is fine. I think it is fine for next year. I don't think that he is the reason why the team has underperformed. Do I find things that I don't like as somebody who covers the media in terms of the on field? Of course. But I think that you can find that with every manager. And I also think that if you go on social media and you follow the fans of every other team in baseball, you're going to find fault with 20 other managers in baseball, too. It's just it's just the nature of the game. We all have issues with the lineup. We all have issues with the bullpen. We all have uh, issues with the usage. And that is true. So. I, I think it's fine. I think I don't I I, I think I think that the Donnie winning manager of the year last year and pulling that team together earned him more than four months of the 2021 Absolutely. season. I think it did. Now, does that earn him three more years? No, definitely not. Does that earn him a shot going into next year? I think it does. I will also say that if they're in there in this spot next year and they're 10 games under five hundred. I will not be able to have the same conversation. I would think that a move would need to be made and, and somebody else would need to come in. But there's a lot of other ramifications from this. Uh, you know, I, I don't think it's possible on the way that this is trending that the entire coaching staff can come back based on the performance of the team. Right. I don't think so. And I don't believe that will be the case. We also know that James Rowson, who some people feel is the potential maybe manager uh, either with the Marlins in waiting or maybe somewhere else. I think he's going to get interviewed again mm. in the offseason for another job too. So we'll have to see how it all plays out, but the good news is there is stability. Mattingly is back. My guess is they'll uh, Mel contracts coming up, but there's no reason not to bring that guy back. I mean, they, they've done a really good job with the pitching. So I would guess Mel will be back again too. And sort of, we know where we are. We stand going into
0: 2022. Yeah. One thing that I, I would say about Don Mattingly that, that we've seen and, and we've talked about before on this show is he's not someone who gets too high or too low, no. and particularly. <laughs> right, I mean, like, and that can sometimes for us in the media be something we, we want to push him toward too high or too low. But I, I do think that with a young team, that's something that that is steadying. He seems to have a pretty good relationship with his players. And I, I do think it's interesting. Something that I think a lot of us imagined at the beginning of this build was that probably by the time the Marlins were ready to compete, you weren't so sure if Don Mattingly was still going to be the manager. And I do think that what he did last year and the, the relationships that he's built with some of these players earn him the cachet within the organization to be able to at least get a shot once the Marlins are ready to compete. And I think that's essentially what they're giving him here in picking up this option. So I do believe it's, it's good for both sides of the ball club. We can pinpoint all sorts of different moments throughout the season. There is one thing I do want to add because there are
1: going to be some people who are listening for sure that are going to completely disagree with what I'm saying. And what you're saying, and I sure. think that you're well within your right, by the way, to feel that way, you're well within your right to think that there could be another manager that could come in and do a better job. You're also well within your right to say, well, Craig, look, just because you have a good relationship with the manager and your buddy, buddy with him, and he's, and he's messed with you a few times this year, and, and you've known him for, uh, you know, a while, yeah. um, you know, you, you're you too soft on him. And I want to be perfectly clear on this. If you follow anything that I do, you know, that is not the case, Okay. If there is a tough question that needs to be asked, I am the one that Mm -hmm. is doing it in these Zooms. And I am the one that is going to hold him and everybody else accountable. So I just want to be clear in that because we can kid around and there are times where they're getting smashed and I'll ask him about hitting three home runs in a game against the Orioles. And I do that because I understand that there does come a point where you have to change things up and you have to sort of, you know, soften the conversation. That is definitely the case. But do not think for a second that when the team is not going good or tough decisions need to be made, that I am not going to be the one that is in there asking that. And trust me when they lose seven to one and their bullpen guy comes in and saves three innings for the next day, my first question ain't going to be about that guy. It's going to be about them losing. So you can, when I'm on those calls, so you can 100% still count on me for that. I take it really seriously and anybody that thinks that relationships are going to hold me back from making sure that that everyone out there gets the right uh, questions answered, just make no mistake about it. I will continue to do that with Donnie and everybody else.
0: If for it's some good. reason, if for some reason, this is your first podcast listening to Craig, all you need to do to know that he's telling the truth here is go back and listen to like a few weeks ago when the Marlins were struggling and listen to what our sentiments were on here then. And and when it came to Mattingly or anybody else. So um, we talk about the stability of Mattingly being a part of the organization next season. The Marlins could be looking for some more stability within the organization, particularly on the field. We, we've talked about Starling Marte sort of ad nauseum here on Swings and Mishes the last few episodes, but the trade deadline is coming up. Kim Ang did say, quote, we do want to keep him part of our future when talking about Starling Marte earlier this week. Craig, what's the latest on the Starling Marte saga when it comes to his possible contract extension?
1: Well, I, I think that it's 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 a little bit strange and it's and it's a little bit complicated for sure because I'm not the the, the timing to me of of all of this is, is you know does seem a little odd. I, I'm going I'm, I think I may have mentioned this a couple of weeks ago or maybe last week. I'm going to guess that the reason why this is all happening now is because they identify that there isn't really anybody to replace him in the organization yep. next year. I, I'm I'm going to have to believe that. I, I cannot believe that just because I asked him and he said he wants to stay, they all of a sudden fired up a deal. I, <laughs> I, I, I don't believe that to be the case. People have mentioned that to me and I, and I cannot possibly think that is the case. Now at the same time, I will say, uh, you know, you know, Derek Jeter, their their CEO, uh, had said that he was happy to uh, see that players now wanted to be here, mm-hmm. but he did not want to uh, comment on the contract extension because he did not want to create a distraction. And my response respectfully to be that you cannot have it both ways you cannot right. I, I don't think that you can say that you're happy to see that he wants to be here and then that's not a distraction but then at the same time when we're <laughs> negotiating a contract we don't want to discuss that and I understand he's well within his right to do that. And in general you don't hear publicly about contract extensions, except for the small problem is you have me here, who is going to make <laughs> it public, and I am going to uncover as much as I can about this contract extension. So someone in the organization told me that my three-year, $30 million offer was was not right, mm. but uh, I, I don't think that I was far off from that. So I can't tell you, I, I, I can only tell you that I stand by everything that I report, but whether or not it was three years and 28 or three years and 32, or like, Mm. I I I don't, I mean, you you understand the framework, I think at this point, as to what they're trying to accomplish. Now, as we sit here on this Friday and I'm going to continue at this, it doesn't matter. I don't distraction or not. I am, I am on this until the end. I don't think that there has been much progress made at all Mm. regarding this. And we're headed into an all-star break where I, I don't know what Starling's plans are. I'll, I'm going to try and figure that out today as well. Like what, w- if he's staying in, in South Florida, if he's going back, um, to, I, I, don't, I don't know what he, I don't know what his plan is. I don't know what he's doing, but uh, we're really up against it in terms of getting this done, which is why the whole thing is a little surprising that the, the process began in June mm. as opposed to November, December, January, February, March, April. I understand mm. he was hurt for a little bit there too, but, Um, I mean, I I guess that could have factored in, I I suppose. So while it can get done, I don't know that it will. And it is sort of my understanding that that Marte likes to do these sort of things when the season is not going on. But there's not really much of a choice if he wants to remain and not in, in South Florida and get traded. Now, the other public comments that you've heard or about him staying with the team and then figuring it out and then that's just that's just not happening so I I understand that but you cannot continue to just say oh we'll get the draft pick and then yeah. whoever that player is for Starling Marte okay great we'll see you in three years like that's that I, the, Marlins have not to start winning yeah no they, right. they have to start winning and when I when I look at the potential now this could change on the 30th but when I look at the potential players that are out there to be traded on the 30th Marte may not be the best, but he certainly could be too. Yeah. So, so I, I think that they have to get serious and explore that right after the draft because the draft is coming up. So, I would assume that will come and go next week. And then the talks, I mean, the talks are really going to heat up big time about who's in on him and which teams want him. And if they don't close a deal very soon, this non distraction is going to be a full on distraction for the next two weeks this is how the trade deadline works all of your guys get taught talk- I've been doing this for a long time and all of your guys get talked about I have not even built any teams yet for starting <laughs> Marte like think like think what in two weeks from now I am going to be building teams right. this team, that team and I mean this is all coming so they- their time is running out with this and people are going to ask me is it going to get done do I feel that they'll sign him long term don't have a great answer for that my feeling is no it's, it's my feeling is no but I also you know they, they hadn't even offered them anything and then I was saying at that time that they that they probably weren't going to and now they are the whole thing has been very quickly sort of put together and I'll keep following it for everybody as it goes so not a lot unfortunately of new information for me today but my guess is as we go along there will be.
0: Yeah, I mean, the deal with Starling is so interesting because in the numbers that that you guys reported within the Herald, you know, the three for 30 offer versus an expectation of three or four years and 50 million, you would think that there could be some place to meet in between, but Like you said, the question is, are they able to negotiate that during the season? And starting that in June, can you really get there by July 30th? That's the fascinating question. And like you mentioned, at this point, where the Marlins are at within this, you know, quote unquote build, it's not time to lose those types of players for comp picks. If you're going to lose Starling Marte, you have to lose him for for trade assets that are going to help you sooner rather than later, as opposed to, you know, just waiting for some other draft pick to develop if you lose them in free agency.
1: Yeah, and I do want to mention because there are some people who texted me and, and you know, said, hey, I mean, are you, I mean, does Marte really think he's going to get 50 million in three years or four years? And, and I think I said this a couple of weeks ago, or maybe last week, whatever it was, and I just want to say it again. If you don't understand how free agency works, those are the kind of comments that you make, because there are teams in 2021's winter, as of right now, I'm going to say this again that we have not identified that are going to decide that they want to win next year. It happens every single year. No one knew the White Sox were going to spend an insane amount of money on the players that they did this offseason. No one knew the Toronto Blue Jays were going to drop One, I mean, at the time you knew because it was, it was percolating, but $150 million on George Springer. And, and and who is that team for next year? That Mm -hmm. team is going head to head with Miami for Starling Marte. I don't know the name of the team yet, but there is a team out there somewhere, Kansas city, Seattle. I don't know. Find a team that's been rebuilding for four or five years that wakes up and has an organizational meeting and says, Starling Marte, that's the, guy. that's the guy that we can get. And then Miami's going, holy cow, <laughs> we thought that we could get him for this. This team came in and jumped in and got him. And then that team is now fighting, and they're fighting for the, playoff, uh, the playoffs next year. So make no mistake about it. Marte is going to get that kind of money in the mm-hmm. open market. He is going to get it. Some team, if you want to consider it an overpay, are going to overpay to get Starling Marte. It happens every single year. We don't know who, but there will be a team. And, and look, maybe it is Miami in the mm-hmm. offseason that overpays for Starling Marte. And then we'll come back and say, wait a second, on July 9th, they could have got him for this, and then they yep. didn't. And now they got it. So look, that that's all part of the conversation. But let's not be ridiculous in thinking that Marte could even get more than $50 million. It's possible. Free yeah. agency is insane. You don't know what these guys are going to get paid. You don't know who the GM is or the owner of another team makes a owner calls. He calls his GM and says, hey, this year you have $100 million to spend. Oh, my gosh.
0: Okay, great. <laughs> Let me call Starling Marte. That's the way this works, so yep. Don't be naive on that. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see how this all plays out. And so, while this podcast has been all starling, we're going to talk about the all stars. You like that one, Craig? Wow. Yeah. Not bad no. yet, huh? Yeah, well, all right. So going into uh, going into uh, All Star Weekend, it'll be Trevor Rogers officially as the Miami Marlins All Star. He's been remarkable to start this season. We've talked about him, Rookie of the Month in April, Rookie of the Month in May. He's been an ace for the Miami Marlins. Craig, your thoughts on Trevor Rogers first half of this season.
1: Yeah. Trevor, Trevor has been the, the biggest pitching surprise of, of 2021 and, and Scott Aldred and, and the pitching coordinators and, and everybody that has, has done a fantastic job with Trevor has been great. Uh, you know, Stan Meek who drafted him many years ago also deserves a lot of credit there at some point. At some point, I do want to talk about this with Trevor when I can when I can do this in person more because there's some backstory that has not been told that is really interesting with him in his first year uh, mm-hmm. in the organization. But he he's been phenomenal, and and I think that there you know is a chance that he ends up as Miami's best pitcher in the future. I mean, definitely mm-hmm. if he can get a little bit deeper into the games, I definitely think that there is a chance of that. But deserves everything that that he has coming to him for sure. And Miami's very lucky to have him uh, as a left handed pitcher in, in their rotation. No doubt about that. And and I don't know what the situation is with him pitching in the game because he's scheduled to pitch this weekend. Right. And that's a tough dynamic, too, because Miami is just like fighting to win every single game. But yet this could be a once in a lifetime opportunity. I, I don't want to be the one
0: <laughs> yeah. to tell
1: uh, Dave Roberts that he can't pitch on Tuesday. So I guess we'll just have to see.
0: Yeah, I mean, this guy's had an unbelievable first half and and to be someone who's who's a rookie who's out here making starts for the first time or second or third times against individual teams and he's yet to give up more than three earned runs in a game. That's what's so impressive to me is none of those, you know, giant numbers in the middle of that game log to see the consistency has been what's most impressive. And behind him in the organization, you have Max Meyer and Jake Eater, Eater added after the fact to the Futures game. Those two guys headed to Colorado as well. Craig, your thoughts on the way that these two guys in their first year in the organization have really dominated on the mound.
1: Yeah, I I think that's why you have to have confidence in the way that the Marlins draft. Look, those results are coming in and they're coming in positive. And I know that JJ Blade has had a tough season and and certainly that will be have to be something that's reevaluated at the end of the year we still have time though on mm-hmm. that but you know, but Peyton Burdick also uh, looks fantastic i, I mean look the, the Marlins can draft and develop pitching apparently as good as any team in the big leagues So that's why going into this draft coming up on Monday, I, without knowing who they're going to get, I'm pretty confident that they're going to come out of there getting a couple of of great future players. And they just just seem to have that part of this handled. So Eater was, I mean, right now is the pick of the draft. Maybe there's a chance of that for sure. I mean, this guy's definitely going to be in the big leagues next year. He's definitely going to be in the rotation. I mean, he's a college pitcher. No reason to hold this guy back. And, and Max Meyer too. It's insane. They, they just, they have, they have, they have, they have so much high level pitching. I I think the issue for the big league uh, squad this year is that they didn't really back it up with a veteran of some kind to like, to avoid those bullpen games. And once Hernandez got, got injured, and six does a whole nother story, but once, Mm -hmm. once Hernandez got injured, that kind of derailed a lot of twice derailed a lot of their plans but I, I think meyer and eater have a chance to open up the season in the rotation next year why not edward cabrera why not trevor rogers i mean dandy alcantara pablo lopez i mean nobody wants to hear about these guys getting traded but how right. do you not how do you not try and trade right. one of those guys to to just get some you know, star in the infield or the outfield that can hit and and they have the currency with the pitching. So we'll see, but yeah, you have to really be optimistic on, on the draft end of this because you got two guys from last year's draft yeah. going to the future game.
0: So that's, it's impressive. Yeah, and and right before we do get to a conversation about the draft, you mentioned trading from that point of strength with the pitching. I mean, look, the, the last time the Marlins did that, they got the only two young hitters in the organization you feel confident about, right? 2019 trade deadline. They traded Zach Allen for Jazz Chisholm Jr. They traded Nick Anderson and Trevor Richards for Jesus Sanchez. Those are the only two young hitters in the organization you really feel like, okay, they're here. They've arrived. We think they're definitely going to be big leaguers in the future. And so to be in a position where you have this just overabundance of pitching within the organization, it has to make you wonder about the guys who might be stuck in between the Pablo Sandy Rogers sort of generation and the Meyer eater generation, which is these guys drafted in the years in between who are closer to big league ready, but not quite the prospects. Maybe that Meyer and eater are, could those guys be sort of out the door? Those are the, the thought process to me, of maybe some, some names to start thinking about. But as we do head toward that MLB draft, the Marlins are in a different position than they've been in years past. And the reason is they were more successful on the field last year. They're not in control of this draft, the way that they've been in years past, obviously picking near the top. So Craig, with that being the case and having to be sort of more reliant on what other teams do before them. What do you think the Marlins' plan of attack is going into the 2021 MLB draft?
1: They've, they've been having a lot of meetings on this, and and I think that they've narrowed down probably a half a dozen guys that they could pick with that selection. But I, I think what you said is, is the most accurate part of this is that, yes, a lot of this is negotiating and figuring out money and finding out who is going to slide and who you can take and who is willing to... Bypass high school—that's a big factor for sure. But in essence, they're on a board now, waiting for other teams to pick, and and it's the poker game for them. It hasn't been like that in the past. There's only been a couple of guys ahead of them, and they make the choice, Mm -hmm. and that's that's it. But now you're looking at a dozen teams that are ahead of them, so they're going to be waiting to see who those other teams take, and if if their guy is available, they will. That gives nobody anything in terms of info. I understand that. (laughs) Um, I, I do believe. I do believe they'll take a catcher with one of their first three picks. I feel confident in that. I don't know who that will be. I know that there are several that they like, and I believe that that will be the outcome, whether it's the their first pick, their comp pick, or even in the second round. I do think the organization understands that that needs to be fortified. DJ Sfilik talked publicly on a on a on a call we had about two weeks ago that every organization needs catching help but there does feel like there are are more high level catchers available in this draft so i do think that will be the case uh i i think they probably will take two position players in the first round that first pick and then the comp pick but i can't be a hundred percent sure on that either But that's the little tidbit, I guess, that I can kind of give going into this thing only because the Marlins don't know who's going to be available at that pick when they take. So it would be foolish for me to say, yeah, they're going to, they're honing in on this guy and they're going to take this guy. I mean, it's, it's like any other draft NFL or NBA, how do you really know who's going to be there when you're, when you're picking? So kind of have an idea on that, but I, I do think that this will be a position player heavy draft as as dj did discuss that in our our zoom basically saying that he felt like that was where the the strength of this draft is and i do think that they'll mix in some pitchers, but i don't want to uh, swayed uh, dissuade people from thinking that they won't take pictures because they will it's just that i don't know that the, that this is the strength of that draft so we'll find out what happens on sunday night that's a big part of what i do too so i'll be all over that and covering that and then next week when we come back here we'll assess the outcome of that but people ask me about about the organization and they ask me like you know different things and you know personnel and players whatever this this group that they have in terms of drafting i am probably as or more confident in than anything else that they have going on in their draft. I mean, the results are speaking for them. These are these are tangible yes. results. You had a 2020 draft. You had two guys in the futures game this year, like, right. and you're and you're seeing this play out. So I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm confident that when we get to the end, that I can blindly say there's a good shot that they're going to come out of this pretty good. <laughs> that's, the, I, that's just the way that I feel about that. As I view it, the last few years, this is the way I view this with them.
0: Yeah, well, I, I'm in a position where the first time we ever talked to DJ Spillik, I was just like, oh, this guy's a genius. So I, I, I trust everything that his whole group is doing with these drafts and the way that they evaluate. But it's a good thing for the Marlins that this would be a position player A heavy draft when last year, what they took six pitchers in five rounds. I mean, it was all, I I know, but I want to be clear on that, that I don't think that that has anything to do with this year. Oh no, 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 no. Not to say that. It just gave them some extra space to be right. Hey, look at our organization. We could use some position players and Oh, how fortunate that there are a strengthened position or there is a strengthened position players during this draft doesn't have to dictate best player available will still be that strategy to help build the organization. But, you know, hopefully for the Marlins, the right position players fall to those picks for them. Um, Right. And and, and just
1: one thing, why, why I mentioned the catcher, and, and I know that every organization needs this, maybe this is, you know, sort of important to say is that, you, you look at the depth of their team in terms of catcher, whether it is at the big league level or at the minor league level, I believe even internally, and I have no problem saying this, that they have major questions about who is going to be their catcher of the present, who is going to be the catcher of the future. I firmly believe that this is the way that they feel about it, which is why I think you're going to see a catcher taken by them. And it may not be with that first pick. It no. may be with their, their comp pick. It may be with their first pick and then not with the comp. And it may also be in the second round. I don't think you're going to see three picks without a catcher. It's just my opinion. We'll see sure. if that plays
0: out Sunday. All right. I guess that's what we'll have to wait and see. We also have more Marlins baseball this weekend. So just real quick, before we wrap up this episode of swings, Craig, the Marlins do head into Atlanta this weekend. And, and what's a pretty big series. Both of these teams are near the bottom of the division, but because the Mets are just kind of middling at the top, they're both still sort of within striking distance. Obviously the Braves feel more confident going into the second half with everything that they have in that lineup, but headed into this weekend, what are your thoughts about the weekend series with the Braves after the fireworks over the 4th of July?
1: Yeah, and, and they've played very well versus Atlanta. Atlanta's throwing uh, Max Fried and they're throwing Charlie Morton. I'm sorry, Charlie Morton, Max Fried and Anderson. So this is as good as it's going to get. And Miami went through Sandy, so he's clearly not available to pitch this weekend. And and look, it's we're really getting close to the point of figuring out if this is just completely unrealistic for them to get back in it, uh, or or if they are. Uh, you know, I've kind of made it clear they're ten games under five hundred their, their odds to make the postseason on fan graphs, I believe are less than 1% much, yeah. or close to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and, and, and tell you a story that is, is a uh, fiction. I, I just, I can't do that at this point. The Mets have seven games coming up against the pirates. Yep. So if they take care of business against the pirates and the, and the Marlins just play 500 ball over the next two weeks, that's it. Yep. I mean, there's, there's really not much to talk about at that point. The other thing that I also in talking to somebody Outside of the organization, who made a really good comment to me the other day when we were sort of talking about the Marlins and what their direction was and where they're going from here, the person said to me, Hey, Craig, listen, the other thing that you're not considering, and and it's really true, is that if Miami does decide that they're still in and they want to stand pat, do they really think that Washington, Philadelphia, New York, and Atlanta are not going to add people? Well, exactly. Miami's going to be fighting with those teams too. Exactly. <laughs> all of those teams are going to add little people, all those teams feel they're in it. Mm-hmm. So Like, is it the best course of action for Miami to say, oh, we're still sort of in it. And then the Mets go ahead and get like, uh, you know, Chris Bryant or something insane. It's like, whoa, oh, oh, I thought we were in it. Now we see (laughs) them, they got Chris Bryant. Maybe we should trade. I think Miami has a realistic view of this thing, which essentially means they have to go like something insane, 11 and one or 12 and one. And look, if that happens, we have a different conversation, but realistically speaking, They'll, they'll probably fight really well against the Braves. There'll be a few one-run games. Yep. It'll be very exciting. They'll be screaming at the end of the game one way or the other. They'll win. They'll lose. It, it, it feels like every game has more or less been the same. And I think that this weekend will be that too. But I hope yep. everybody has a great weekend. I hope everyone has a nice uh, all-star little break. I would encourage everyone to watch Otani oh. in the Home Run Derby on Tuesday and watch him pitch and hit. You're about to see something you've never seen before and may never ever see. Yeah. So I am, I am definitely all in on that. And for all of the pitching and complaining that we do with Major League Baseball, and they don't do this, and they don't do that, and they don't do this, they got this guy in derby and pitching and hitting yep. in the game. And does, anybody, does anybody say anything about that? No, it's exactly what everybody's been asking for. Yep. <laughs> so give baseball a little credit when they do something right, too. And this is yeah. getting it really right. So I'm very excited to see that next week. And with that,
0: Jeremy, I hope you have a great weekend. Yeah, uh, three-game sweep would go a long way for the Marlins. That's that's all we'll say. And we get to watch a guy who has brought me as much joy as anybody on the Marlins this season, Zach Thompson on the Hill. That guy has been a joy to watch. But Marlins fans, enjoy your weekend. Uh, we will be back next week with an episode of Swings and Missions to review the MLB draft and you know preview the second half of the season obviously these three games are big this weekend go ahead and follow us wherever you get your podcasts leave us a review give us a five-star rating and as always enjoy your weekend of Marlins baseball we'll talk to you next week